Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Go ahead and tell them to call my phone. Welcome to Arizona Fit, the podcast that brings you all original, all organic Phoenix-focused fitness content. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Ian Knight, with Believe in Phoenix on the Believe Podcast Network, Phoenix's number one fitness podcast network. From Avondale all the way to the East Valley, let's whip something up. Today, I sit down with Sarah Whipple, a four-time collegiate All-American, group fitness trainer, personal trainer, and now published author. Before we get started, if you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe and rate the show. We always appreciate the love. Remember that we are available in all your favorite directories, and if you're interested in advertising on the show, you can contact Believe at Believe.com. Sarah is a Scottsdale native who ran for the powerhouse program Oregon Ducks in college. She's an established group and personal trainer out of the Body Gym in the East Valley. And to top it off, she recently released her first ebook titled, Let's Whip Something Up. We're talking college sports, nutrition, and pregnancies. Roll it. All right, so... Sarah, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone out there who might not know who you are and exactly what you do. Yes, so my name is Sarah Whipple, and I am a personal and group fitness um, instructor in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, I guess first and foremost, I'm a mom to my son, Beckham. He's about a year and a half. And then uh, my husband's name is Alex. And that's my main job is being a wife and a mom. But then my side job, which ends up being I guess the full-time job in the end is that I am a fitness trainer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of things. Um, one thing a lot of people don't know about us as trainers is that we wear many hats, not only within our professional field, but outside our professional field. So I remember I was teaching college classes, getting my master's in training. Um, and a lot of my clients looked at me like, wow, that's, that's tough. But um, as I understand, you recently gave birth and were teaching classes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you uh, go ahead and dive into a little bit of that and kind of fill us in on kind of, first off, I want to know, how is it that were you able to teach group fitness classes all the way up to the day before you gave birth? That's incredible. To yeah. Me. yeah. So, of course, it was my first kid, so I didn't know what to expect, and Um, I teach at this gym in Scottsdale called Body, and the first class of the morning is at 5 a.m., so that was my class. I usually taught that class four to five days a week, and, you know, in the beginning of your pregnancy, you can't really announce to the world that you're pregnant, you know, just in case you were to lose a baby or, you know, we wanted to keep it kind of secret for a while, so, you know, I'd wake up really early in the morning and pray to God that I did not get um, morning sickness because I don't want to be throwing up in front of everyone and people wondering what the heck's going on with Sarah. Um, and so, but I was able by the grace of God to be able to not throw up, not get morning sickness. My pregnancy was overall really, really easy, I guess you could say. And, but with that, I was able to teach classes, just take one day at a time. I listened to my body number one. Um, and, but I was able to exercise almost every day of the pregnancy. And, um, I wouldn't recommend that to someone who doesn't exercise regularly every day. But I was able to do that, um, whether if it was walking or lifting weights or going for a run, um, doing a hit class, I was able to do that almost every day of my pregnancy. And it was a huge blessing because I think it made um, the actual birth a lot easier and it made postpartum a lot easier, like a faster transition as well. So 
Yeah. How so, that? so disclaimer to everyone out there. I do not have kids. Um, I've helped raise a lot of kids, but I have never given birth, as we can all probably guess. Um, <laughs> so feel I'm going to probably pick her brain a lot through the show, so don't be surprised. But I do know a few things about training pregnant women in the past. Um, Sarah is 100% right. If you're not used to exercising, you're probably not going to be able to do exactly what she did. So I'm going to tell you right now, do not do that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I am interested on uh, listening from the female perspective of, you know, exercising while pregnant i mean what what challenges would you say that new mothers should be on the lookout for if they're similar to you where they have a pretty high uh background in health yeah i would say as we all say you know as a trainer consult with your doctor before you do any form of exercise throughout your pregnancy but um when your body is changing so fast your hormones are going crazy, you're extra tired. Um, you know, once the baby starts growing more throughout that second and third trimester, your body starts to change dramatically. And there's a lot of exercises that you shouldn't do and should wait to do until weeks after you give birth. Um, and a lot of that has to do with core work and, um, upper body work. Cause that ultimately works your core as well in certain movements such as push-ups. So I would just say, take each week or each day, I guess, one day by day, seeing how you feel. Um, and for me, I, like I told you, Ian, before I was able to do burpees, for instance, take that move. I was able to do burpees until the day before I gave birth, but running as I'm a runner and I you know, ran in college, I stopped running when I was probably 34 weeks pregnant, just because it didn't feel good. And I just really wanted to listen to my body and so I just kind of stopped running altogether around 34 weeks. So it definitely is just different for every woman. Um, but yeah, consult your doctor and just um, take it day by day. So I'm going to let you all in on something. Um, I could be pregnant or I could not be pregnant. It's very hard to get me to do a burpee. I'm just letting you know that <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, but yes, but uh, Sarah, like you mentioned, you did run in college. So let's get, let's get a little bit into your background and uh, let's fill everyone in on your personal fitness journey. Yeah, so I was a soccer player most of my life. Um, so I grew up here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, I decided to run cross country. My dad actually thought it would be a good way in high school for me to run cross country just to stay in shape for soccer. So I ran cross country, and I wasn't a fan. I just did not like the sport of running, ironically. I just My parents did it growing up, and they did it when we were growing up as well. So it was just kind of a thing that we did. So Meanwhile, in high school, um, I got to track season and my coach was like, hey, Sarah, you're actually really good. Um, how about you make, I think you should make a decision if you should keep going in that soccer um, direction or if you'd like to pursue track. And if you were to pursue track, I would highly suggest if you want to get to that elite level that you stop soccer. And I was like, I'm not stopping soccer. But the more I thought about it, the more I talked to my parents about it, I realized, you know what? my coach is telling me that I should pursue this and he sees this side of me. He thinks maybe I can take it pretty far. So let's just run with it. So what, so, what high school did you go to exactly? I went to Xavier college preparatory. So an all girls, um, Catholic high school, private school. And they are very, I don't know if you know Xavier very well, but they're academically and athletically, um, like a really good school. Um, so it was cool to be a part of that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So I'm still plugging in around the high school scene. 
here. Um, I don't have any high school athletes yet, but come 2020, I know for a fact that will change. Yes, yes. Yeah, Xavier's an awesome school. You should definitely check it out. Um, so, yeah, I guess after throughout high school, you know, colleges look at your junior year. So at this point in time, I'm totally committed to track. My sophomore year, I make it to state. Um, and then by my junior year, I'm getting first, second in state in multiple events. And I'm like, wow, like I'm, I'm actually getting this runner's high. Like, this is awesome. And then your junior year, like I said, is when colleges start to look at you. Um, and then I was grateful, blessed enough to be able to pick whatever college I wanted to go to in the U.S., which was awesome. And I decided to go to the University of Oregon, which is the number one track college in the whole U.S. And it was really cool um, to be a part of that. I actually took five years at Oregon and learned a ton. Um, number one, I think humility was a huge one because everyone who goes to Oregon their first year, you know, is like a state champ at their high, at their high school. And then they get to college and they're like, crap, everyone's really good. <laughs> and it's a definitely a humbling experience. Um, and I mean, I could go on and on for college, but I, I'll just keep it short. I dealt with a ton of injuries in college. Um, and my faith really grew, my friendships really grew, and I was able to not make running such an identity. I was able to um, kind of like look at other ways, like why, am, why else am I here at Oregon? It's not just for the running, but it's for other, either bigger or better reasons as well. Um, and so after I dealt with a couple years of injuries, I was able to get back to competing again and my last two years at Oregon I was a part of two national championships um, my team and I we won in cross country and indoor track um, and that was obviously a really cool year to be a part of all of that um, and then I also became a four-time All-American my time at Oregon as well um, so that was that and oh, kind of gave me whoa <laughs> Do you know how many people wish they could say they were an all, even all conference, four time All American? Yeah. That's incredible. I, oh, especially in the past. Oh, man. <laughs> I like the way you just blew a pass. Like, yeah, I'm a four time All American. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What can I say? Oregon was a very humbling experience. <laughs> no, I hear, especially on the humility part. Um, I didn't run track in college. Honestly, I wish I would have. I wish somebody would have told me how fast I was in high school, but I did play college. And I, I completely hear you on the whole, when you walk through the door, everyone's good. And I think this is like only a mentality that people who've competed on a high level can understand because I'm pretty sure you have these conversations all the time where, uh, you'll tell someone like, yeah, I'm a runner. And they'll say, oh yeah, you know, I, uh, I took all city in high school and, and, you know, in our minds we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because right. we, we have friends who are competing in the Olympics or the NFL or the NBA, but, right. but when you, but it is a humbling experience when you walk through the door and you're not the big dog anymore. And you're just like, oh, yep. We're oh, starting for over. Sure. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that was, I mean, I'm still best friends with the people I went to college with. And so that was huge. And being a part of national championship teams was huge. And just like my overall experience of learning 
humility. Again, I just kind of go back to that word because that, that I think has brought me, made me to the person who I am today, um, to a trainer. And I think having that humility of like, everyone is on different paths to succeed. And, um, we're all, we're all wanting to succeed in some, um, in some way. Right. And it, it totally depends on, you know, it doesn't depend like how good you are or with how many pull-ups you can do or how fast you can run a mile or losing 10 pounds. Like everyone has a different goal. And I love to support people in that. And I think that's what I love so much about my job is I can be, I can talk to anyone at any level and support them and make them better according to their goals and not be like, Oh, well, they're only lifting that much or they can only run a mile that fast. Like I can do better than that. You know, it's like, it's really humbled me because everyone is so different. And I think that's special, you know, in this this job. So when we, when you talk about success, so like you mentioned earlier, you're a trainer right now as well, among other things, how do you measure success for yourself? Because you're, you've obviously competed at a very high level. Um, I don't know how competitive of a person you are with yourself, but I, I know for me personally, I have a giant list of goals that I keep in a journal and I actually track them diligently. And when I don't hit a goal, I, I actually have a fault. I beat myself up a little bit over it, but that's because that's how I measure success. So how do you measure success? So I always kind of go back to my personal goals, my business goals, um, and how those are two very different things. I think, I think if you were to ask me this question three years ago, before I was pregnant, before I had a kid, I would have said something totally different. And it was, it would be very, um, I guess goals just for myself and not saying that now they aren't, but things kind of perspective shifts a little bit when you have kids and not that that's a bad thing. I've at first I was kind of like anxious or like, why, why can't I move faster on this goal or this project for work? Or why can't I have enough time to go for this run? Well, I have a kid to take care of, or, you know, my schedule can't just be perfect to how I want it because I have a family and that's okay. And over the last year and a half, I've really, um, I guess kind of come to my senses where my goals don't have to be done like right away. Um, and I think the more when I was just able to like relax, and have, and I actually write them down too, write them down. And it's like, okay, like those things will be done um, eventually. And I'm a very efficient person. And so like, I'm not like, oh yeah, that'll be done later. It's more like, it doesn't need to be done right now. Don't stress over it because your family can feel your stress. And then that makes me stressed. So like, just, you know, take one thing at a time. Um, And I guess the way, I guess in the big picture, how to measure success is, Um, like you don't need to do it right away. Like there's a time and a place for everything. And, um, if something isn't working out and you're really like trying to push, 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 but you're really not getting anywhere, then maybe it's just not the time and that's okay. And to move on and like try something else. So I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but. Oh no, I, I I don't look for any answers. I just like to get hear everyone's opinion because yeah. Um, just to touch back what you said, how you have personal goals and you have business goals. One of the things I actually struggled with early on in my career were, was the business portion because I wanted to help people. I really did, and the money wasn't a big deal to me at first because 
you know, I was in a better position with my other job. And, you know, so it was just like, you know, you can pay me what you pay me. But when I went back to grad school and, you know, that became my main source of income, um, my goals on the business end, they became much, they became much larger. And it just it was interesting to me how my personal goals and my business goals, um, I had to separate them in order to keep myself on track, because you know, I'm pretty sure you ran into this problem early on in your career, too. You can't give everything away for free or yeah, you won't exactly. be in this business very long. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, keeping it on the business um, end of things, I understand that you have a new project, a new book out right now. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit about it? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you've heard a lot of or some of my fitness side, but the other my other passion is cooking. And over the last year, year and a half, I've always thought about writing um, some sort of book, like if I were to sell it or not, but I wanted to just kind of share to the world that I love to cook. So, um, as of the last week, I just released my first cooking ebook called let's whip something up whip with two P's. Cause my last name is Whipple. Um, and yeah, it is, it's online. And this was just a, a book that I created. It's, um, 17 recipes that I make at my, at my home, um, almost weekly. Um, I love to cook not only for my family, but like extended family or, or friends. Um, and so I wanted to kind of share to everyone else. Cause you know, I post on Instagram on my stories, like, like my dinners and stuff and people are like, Oh my gosh, tell us the recipe or what's in that. Or you should write a book. And so after all those messages and time to think, I'm like, you know what I should. So that's the project that I've been working on as of late. And I'm really happy on how it turned out. And, um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so I have a saying with everyone I work with, whenever they come to me with physique goals, they say, I want bigger arms. I want a flatter stomach. I want plug and play, whatever you can Google online. But I always go back to, it comes down to nutrition and what you eat, what you drink, you know, and I, you've heard it and you've probably said it a million times over. Um, what is your personal take when it comes to nutrition and diets and things among that nature? Good question. Um, so number one, I don't like the word diet. Um, I think that just to me, diet means that you're restricting yourself. And when you restrict yourself, then like that, when I restrict myself, I'm constantly thinking like, man, like I'm not having enough carbs. I can't have enough carbs. So, but all I think about is carbs and then I end up eating carbs and then I end up getting, you know, eating a lot of carbs and it's just like, okay, that didn't work out. Um, but overall with diets, I think, um, it, number one, it's just like a huge moneymaker and it's people, people like they, they just poured lots of time and money into like, Oh, the keto diet or the, um, all these weight watchers or all this, all this other stuff where it's like, if you just make it simple and that's kind of, that's what my, I based my ebook off of was just simple, healthy meals that don't take up a lot of time. Um, eat in moderation. That's another word that I love to use. Um, and then eat all food groups because that's why they're there. Carbs, fats, carbohydrates. And with carbohydrates, it's like, don't overdo it with the pastas and the breads. It's like, eat the quinoa, eat tons of colors, like make it look good, taste good. And your body is going to feel good. And you're going to able, you know, if you're Say you're taking a lot of meds right now because you have high blood pressure. Well, like you may not end up having to do all that if you 
eat healthy, eat lots of fruits and veggies, and that'll take away from the meds. Or if you're having joint pain or high inflammation, it's like, just eat healthy. You don't need to eat all these other weird diets that's just going to make things just more difficult. So I could go on about that, but keep it simple, eat simple, eat moderation, eat, eat colors, and eat real food. And that's kind of how I base my book off of. I always tell people, eat the rainbow. More colors, exactly. the better. It's just... Exactly. Throughout the day, I um, I actually track my meals on my Fitbit app. When I go through yeah. at the end of the day, I like to see a lot of colors. Reds, purples, oranges, yellows, greens, dark leafy greens. Um, right. I love exactly. all those things. The, uh, right. When I hear the word diet, I always think of temporary. And that's what I hate about exactly. it. Because yeah. it's a lifestyle. And I always try to reinforce to everyone that your body is a reflection of your lifestyle. So. Right. If you're messing around, drinking every weekend, going to Taco Bell, well, your body's going to look like it. Whereas <laughs> if you're, you know, you're eating colorful foods, high protein, moderate carbs, it's going to look like it as well. Exactly. And I guess that kind of goes back to when people say, oh, five days out of the week, I eat really well, or I'm on this diet, but then Saturday and Sunday are my cheat days. But it's like when you have those cheat days and you're restricting yourself during the week of whatever you have these cheat days your body is going to be like okay you're giving me all this crap or all this extra alcohol or sugar or whatever and then monday you're going to feel like total crap because you're trying to you know get back from the weekend and then maybe your head your body isn't clear until wednesday and then you're ready to do it all over again on on friday night so again yeah. like you said it's a lifestyle yeah my biggest my personal issue is i love my football on sundays i will just do absolutely nothing. Well, I wouldn't say do absolutely nothing. I actually go lift and do a little bit of cardio in the morning. Um, if I don't do Bible study, um, I need to actually get another group. But I love to sit around, do nothing, and just pig out. And I need to, I actually I need to cut back on that because I think it's just more for me. It's a mental thing right. of football's on, popcorn, a couple of drinks of gin, insert right. junk food here. So. Yeah. I don't know. Do you actually go to any of the mental side of nutrition in your book at all? I don't, but I wanted, I guess my initial, I just wanted to get this book out there to see how it did, but I'm already like looking towards the future. I'm already thinking of different ways to make another book or different recipes or um, just having those, like, those extra details that are like special to me that I can share with everyone else. Awesome. So, yeah. So let me ask something. So, when you create something, you generally have an end user in mind. So who, who would you see picking up your book saying, oh, this looks interesting. I want to read this. When, when you created this book, who did you imagine? So it's funny you ask this because I guess rewind to when my husband and I got married. It was over four years ago. And he grew up in a family where he kind of had just like microwave dinners. Um, and I grew up in a family where my mom loved to cook. So when I would, you know, if I were to come home late from work, I would have on the counter, like, okay, we're making this for dinner. These are the instructions to do it. And please have it ready when I get home. And so over months, my husband, Alex was able to, you know, do it all. It's really easy. It's nothing crazy, elaborate, really long list of ingredients or directions. And he was able to make this dish, which is one of the dishes in my book, but 
that is just simple. Like a husband, maybe who isn't used to cooking or a wife, whoever isn't used to cooking, they're able to look at this book and be like, okay, like this isn't too bad. Um, it looks good. Let's see if it even turns out well. And, um, and they're able to make it for their spouse or their friend or whatever. Um, and so I think this book is good for people who just don't, maybe don't cook a lot and need just something healthy and delicious to make up in under 30, 40 minutes, or it's those people who do love to cook and they want to be able to, um, I don't know, just get some different ideas. So I think really I wanted to cater this towards anyone. Um, I know a lot of women have bought my book because I think in general, a lot of women cook more than the men do. Um, but I'm hoping that other men can look at this too and know that it is easy and simple and not to be, um, not to be afraid. Maybe don't go to Chipotle tonight and try one of my recipes. <laughs> yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. And actually I'm more than likely going to send your book to a few of my clients I have online. Um, I'm not going to name any names out there, but it amazes me how many people do not know how to cook. And yeah. when I say do not know how to cook people, I have someone in mind I'm thinking of right now. I asked them to make pasta when we were roommates um, because I was, I was running late coming back from, I think it was, I think I was doing something with Cox Cable at the time. And I said, hey, just boil this pasta for 10 minutes for me and put it in the strainer and I'll do the sauce and everything when I get back. I... I promise you they did not know how to make a pasta. They, they burnt the pot and I came back and the noodles were super soggy and they could just see it on my face. They were like, what? And I just said, nothing in the back of my mind. I was sitting there thinking you failed at life, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I know. It's just like learning how to do your laundry before you go to college. It's like, just once you do it a few times, it's just going to come natural and you're going to learn to, you know, saute the onions before you put like tomatoes in there because onions take longer than the tomatoes, like simple things like that. Um, and then the, like, it's, so I think like going back to your question, I think anyone, like I wanted this book to be catered to men and women because that's who I work with day in and day out. Um, and say the woman, if it's a woman or a man and they're like used to cooking all the time, maybe this is the good tool for them to be like, oh, this is a great recipe. I'm going to use this. Or maybe next time I'll add this in there just because, you know, they cook every night of the week or whatever. And, fellas, I'm going to let you know something right now. A rice cooker is probably going to be one of your best friends. Just throwing that out there. And it works oh, great yeah. with oatmeal as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so so last question I have for you about the book right now. What makes your book different from every other book that's out there regarding nutrition? So... In my book, I don't put the calories or nutrition facts, um, and who knows, maybe in my next book I will, but I love, in my book, I have kind of a few sections on each page, and one of the sections is why eat this, and it's kind of like my own personal touch on why it's good for you, um, what it has in it, how it'll make you feel afterwards, or maybe like some little tidbits on if you don't want to use this or you don't like, or if you don't eat meat then put this in, it's a good alternative. Um, so it's kind of like my own little, um, my own little touch on the book, um, that I kind of like thought of last minute because I really wanted to make it mine. I didn't want to make it just, you know, just basic instructions or directions and ingredients. I wanted to put a little twist on it. And, um, I will tell you after I release it, I have a lot of other ideas that I would love to make in that next, the next book that I make. 
Um, so that is in, in the making already. <laughs> awesome. So with that said, let's go ahead and transition. Well, what's next for you in the future? Uh, you, you're training, you got group, you got a uh, group classes, you just released a book. What do you have planned next for everyone? Um, yeah. So another book, um, right now, well, currently, so as you guys know, my running background, I, that's a huge passion of mine as well. Um, especially high schoolers. And so I've been taking on um, more and more high school track athletes and training them on the side, um, personal training in the gym, but also on the track. Um, and so I think my passion would be to take on a lot more high school students um, or high school track athletes to kind of prepare them for the division one level, um, not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally as well. Um, because I know that the um, not the hiring process, but basically when you, yeah, when you come on the team, it's like, how does all that work? Um, there's a lot of change that goes on, obviously from going from high school to college. So, um, yeah, I guess training and then my new cookbook. And then I don't know, I'm like constantly working on projects, some that I can't name right now, but, um, kind of focusing more on scaling my business. All right. Sounds great. Well, everyone, I uh, just want to remind you that you will have links to the book and all of her social sites in the show notes. So if you if you personally want to get in shape or you know someone that needs to get in shape or someone who needs to learn how to cook, period, uh, go ahead and click those links. Sarah, anything else you want to say to the people? Um, I, don't, um, I don't think so. I just appreciate, Ian, for you reaching out and having me on your show. Um, yeah, and that's, I guess, thank you for your time. This is great. All right. Well, Sarah, we appreciate having you on and to much success in the future. All right. Thank you. Parents of high school runners, I suggest you get your kids an appointment ASAP. It's hard to get a top-notch professional with that type of experience and credentials. Scroll down to the show notes and download your copy of Let's Whip Something Up and connect with Sarah on Instagram. Also, don't forget to tap the subscribe button and share our show with your friends. As always, if you know anyone in the greater Phoenix area that would make an excellent guest, tell them to call my phone and I'll hear them out. If you have any questions or comments about the content, go ahead and give us a tweet and I'll hit you back. Keep sharing those positive vibes and stay cool, Phoenix. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.